good evening, and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hi, this is Suzanne. I'm Jody. Hi, this is Stephanie. Hi, this is Deanna. Hi guys, so today we're talking about um, set lists, which is a subject that is near and dear to our hearts, just because we attend a lot of live shows, and we attend a lot of shows from the same artist in a given period of time. So my thought process, this is Stephanie, is that the artist should visit all areas of their music and not just concentrate on the hits. Um, quote unquote, um, I realize that they need to appeal to a broad amount of people, but the majority of people that are going to multiple shows have probably already heard that same set list because they are going to multiple shows. Um, so I think that the, that should be given a mindset as far as coming up with a set list. And I realize that as we get older, the artists that we love and adore um, have a broad range of material to choose from, but I don't think that they should be so worried about making sure that everyone is happy, if that makes any sense, guys. Um, I recently heard John Mayer talk about the subject on Serious Volume, and I wanted to reach through my car stereo and give him a hug, because he said as time has gone on, he has embraced the fact that he's not going to make everybody happy. He realizes that he has an audience base, a majority audience base that, that travels to multiple shows, and he wants to make sure that those fans are, are taken care of. And I really appreciated that. And he said that, you know, you should be able to touch on every area of your catalog and not just concentrate on certain songs and not to be so worried about offending somebody. And I couldn't have agreed um, more with this topic. I think that this stems from having seen Duran Duran perform Rio about 7,000 times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seven and 1,000, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, we've talked about this agnosium, um, outside of podcast situations and I am close enough with people who make money making music to have had conversations with them about this. I'm close enough with people who aren't super fans of particular bands who don't see what I see when they, when we talk about the music that's performed at a show and then there's us and, and this particular set of people um, who go to multiple shows of the same band who have a history. And, and I feel like our history with this particular band is immense. But then I go to New Orleans to see a particular band who are playing two nights in a row, two teeny little nights. And you the lead the singer, okay. I'm not going to call out anybody. But the lead singer from the stage says, who's going to be here tomorrow? And a few people clap and cheer. And he says, ah, there goes our set list for tomorrow night. So the, the idea that the artist from the stage is already thinking about creating something that is going to create joy and, 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 and be satisfactory to everyone in the room, including his super fans, um, meant 
everything in the world to me as a person who goes to see live music. Now, to that point of people who make music to make money, it's obvious. They do the same set list every night. <laughs> there isn't any creativity there. There is maybe a new album on the charts, but that's only because a record company told them they had to. It's It's got to be difficult for a musician to be stuck in that zone, but if they know they're making money because people are buying $150 concert tickets to go see that band that night, then they can just keep recycling the same thing over and over and over again. To us, with a history, as I mentioned, we have a longing to hear things that maybe were performed in 1982 that we would like to see again. I've never seen Make Me Smile. Thank you very much. Uh, yet, I know they pulled that out in like 2005 or something. There are some things, and, and Rio can be at the end of the set list. That's fine. You're still making your money. You're still calling us back without a change in the set list. But oh my gosh, imagine how much more I would be more excited to pay a little bit more money if I knew that there would be something different in the so set list. So I have list. a question. Yeah. So between the two shows <clears throat> in New Orleans, yeah. how different was it? Did they rearrange the order? Was it like three-fourths the same and a quarter? I mean, what? how many different songs do you think there were between the two nights? Was it a lot or was oh. it just... This particular band pays, plays for no less than two and a half hours. No less than. Yeah. And it's a it's a point of pride from the stage where the lead singer is constantly like, we're going to play this fucking show for two and a half hours and whatever. They generally, I have seen enough to know that there is a song that they end with normally. And there was even a joke during our show about, do you want me to play this song? And everybody's like, no, because we all knew it was the last show, yeah. the last song of the show. The next night, he moved it to the beginning of the show. So number one, there was a rearrangement of the songs. But there were things they didn't do the night I was there that they did do the second night. This was a kind of a special situation where one night a band opened for them and did not interact with them on stage when this my band was on stage. But the second night, the local... Um, hot super jazz band played as an opener and then played on stage with them. So it was already a little band. different with that. So it was, so I mean, there was a completely <clears throat> different vibe the second night and there were different songs and, and rearrangement. I mean, it was all of it. It was all of it. Had I even thought another iota about it as much as I'm having to like scramble and scrape for money right now to pay back what I just borrowed from my credit card and company <laughs> for all that... I would have stayed for that second night. Mm -hmm. That was so awesome, and I can't believe I missed it. Mm -hmm. I'm regretful that I didn't do it so because the, the set night. was so different. Was different yeah. yeah, I'll do multiple Duran shows, especially if they're Houston, Austin, Dallas, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I know I'm going to see the same thing. Right. So we talk about set lists all the time because there is that cure show and we're going to mm -hmm. talk about cure in just a minute but i mean there's the the five nights in australia recently they did disintegration but they did other songs throughout the set and you never know what to expect mm -hmm. that's the joy of being at a show for me is you never know what to expect unless you're at a during trend show well and <laughs> so i'm going to play devil's advocate for a second <laughs> i think a lot of it has to do with the multimedia that right now they're they're just very heavy on like each song has such a specific video 
presence on the stage that's highly produced. So that's part of my thinking is because they put that production value into the show to begin with, that might limit a little bit of the flexibility. Now, I think the band you're talking about, they do some live feeds of them playing. So maybe an idea for Duran is for a couple songs, go to live feeds and it gives you the flexibility. So maybe you don't have this beautiful slick production, which we appreciate in a lot of them, but maybe not every single track has to have that because I think that locks them down to a specific set list. But That's, how yeah. hard is it though to right. create a set of graphics for something? They're already a graphic band. I, I don't right. know if so it's that hard. There could be some you know default things that they could use. And Nick is all about that Apple well, computer yes, right there. Right. And I don't. But, but here again, I think it's maybe a hybrid of having some live cameras like they did on one of the recent Paper Gods tour. Remember they put the GoPros around and they went oh, to some live yeah, footage. Yeah, yeah. But to me, that gives them a little more flexibility to bust out and do something maybe that's not quite as planned because they don't have all of that. So I'm just, like I said, well, I'm like playing devil's advocate of that. Or could just go back to, you know, just... A, a video of the band playing, you know, and it's a projected on the screen. Like 1984. Like, you know, go figure, 1984, yeah. you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be, th- th- there shouldn't be a pressure to have to have some slick production projected yeah. on the video screen to supplement what the band is, you know, supplement the band playing, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like just, I would can, agree. Um, you know, we, we've talked in the past on previous podcasts about, you know, the visual and, and everything that draw, drew us into them, but we're here. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so you can come out and you could have, in my opinion, zero, Turn zero. Off. Turn right. it off. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> the right. quality of what is coming out of you and your instruments is there and established. Right. So I believe they did a show in England a couple of years ago, and it was described as a Durani's wet dream um, when they played, you know, Shadows on Your Side, which, oh my gosh, oh, like man. you're going to have to pull me up off the floor if I hear my jam, because <laughs> oh, no. I'm just saying. But, I mean, just they are established musicians, and though I, I know that's what we expect from them, um, from your quote-unquote super fan, you know, if we get to hear rarities and B-sides, none of the visual will matter, matter because yeah. we're going to get lost in our own world mm-hmm. of that song that's being Absolutely. played. And I think and that this just happened in these last few dates when they busted out Seventh Stranger. And I read that Nick said that they were working on the record store day as the lights go down. And that's when it came back top of mind. And then let's pull this out. And every person that's been to any of these shows in the past few months said everyone's like, there's not a dry eye in the place. And I'm freaking going to San Jose so I can hear it live. I mean, so there's that point that it's just some of those deep cuts and I don't think we need tons of them. Just pepper them throughout. Well, that, that was my But also, was how do you know that they're going to play it? Right. Yeah, you don't. You know what I mean? No. And That's why we go to multiple shows. This right. is a total surprise, and they've done Miami time after time, and yeah. every time they do Miami, they pull out something. They're doing mm-hmm. Vegas and the San, San Jose show. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll do Seven Stranger. Or yeah. something else. Or I don't you know, know if they're doing something else. Yet. I don't either. I, don't, I think they're getting ready for next year. Well, sure. That's why I think As the Lights Go Down was such a big thing. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I was going to ask, though, so if you could hear a different a song 
You said shadows on your side. I said make me smile. What would you do? I oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean y'all no, know that I, like y'all know that like an angel is my favorite. Like, so that's probably I, never gonna happen ever unless I hire them for my birthday party, which I need to have my independent. Well, that's a whole yeah. Like for to for, do that but. for our for our fiftieth birthday, <laughs> yes. uh, I think we need to collectively you know, collect <laughs> and hire them to play. You've got to relearn so the words. Yeah, uh, like an angel. We're going to tell you what songs you're going to play. We're going to have the set list. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to All She Wants Is on the way over here. Um, and I was just thinking about that. Man, if, if I could hear that. And, and you know, I have heard it live. Right. And, you know, on the mm-hmm. Notorious Tour and all that. or um, Big thing. Big thing, sorry. And, and Secret October, I've heard... Via audio, but I'd like recordings. to see Secret yeah. I would I love to see, see it. That I think that would make me cry. Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty like, much, yeah, because oh, that takes you God. right. Because that, that takes you right into back it. to seeing Blue Silver. I yeah, mean, I mean, as the credits are rolling, I mean, I would love to see Secret October or Lily in Your Nightmare. Yeah, well, oh man. so speaking of, I mean, you're talking about the song Rio. I mean, we have put it out in the universe. We would love to see Rio in its entirety, yeah, including yeah, yeah. B-sides, because the hands are doing that now. And I, th- I feel like some yeah. of their reservations is they don't want to be nostalgic, but I don't think it's necessarily nostalgic. It's, it's, it's you know, honestly a cash grab. Well, but, sure. it, but it's also, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's a nod to a fan. It's, well, it's right. acknowledging a masterpiece, number yeah. one. Yeah. And it's an entirety. So I went and I saw Joshua Tree yeah. last year. We did, yeah, several we did. of us, mm-hmm. because we wanted to see that in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. And then the guys, you two, added songs before and after. Yeah. And it didn't take the whole time. But I made a point to go to that. I'm making a point to see Aha do. Hunting high and low in its entirety, and I, you know, I really am hoping and putting it out there that Rio at some point gets played in its entirety. And maybe it's not the whole tour; maybe it's a handful of dates that we would go to. Oh, we would go to. Oh, and <laughs> we would love it because we want That's to hear going to happen. <laughs> we, we want to hear "Lonely Your Nightmare." We want to hear. My own way. I mean, have we heard my oh own? Oh my way? god, no! I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's disco at its finest, and then we can see the John like dance with it, probably. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, there's John's jazzercise. John's, John's jazzercise. But I mean, that in itself would be just amazing. So I don't even necessarily think it's a money grab, but it's just. It's an experience in its entirety that hasn't happened, and we would love, love, love that to happen. So, Stephanie, talk about the Cure. Their their legendary changing of the tour in LA. So, as some of you may know, the Cure just did five shows. I said five shows Mm -hmm. at Sydney Opera House um, this past week. Um, in Sydney, Australia, that is. And I have several friends in the Cure community um, Cure that heads. were there, Cure Heads, that were at the show. And that is their disintegration is their Rio, yeah. to yeah. put it in terms of people who are not familiar with the Cure's um, body of work. And you should be because Robert Smith and the guys are geniuses. But to play disintegration in its entirety and play B-sides and rarities just to play the music that means so much to so many people for so many reasons. Um, You know, for people to get on a plane and and travel, you know, to another country down under and spend an enormous amount of time on a plane to see these songs live tells you all you need to know 
about the uh, massive effect that uh, those shows meant to these people. And I was so excited and so happy for them. But, you know, that's that's one of the things we're talking about set lists that I really admire about Robert Smith. For those of you who don't know, um, Robert Smith uh, was a huge David Bowie fan. And early on, um, when he was a younger, uh, you know, younger kid going to shows, he saw David Bowie's show and it wasn't long enough for him. And so he decided that he was going to make sure that his shows were were going to be long shows and the cure play for minimum three hours every night. Mm-hmm. No set list is the same. Um, I got to experience, I've gotten to experience the cure six, six times now and we'll do so at ACL again this year. My favorite cure song is a B side and it's called this twilight garden and check it out. YouTube it when you're finished listening to this podcast, because it's amazing. I like um, cats. but I, <laughs> I got to hear that song, um, twice. Um, on the last major cure show three years ago, and I welled up, mm-hmm. uh, tears in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, a B side. I mean, it's just I can't even explain to you how important that was to hear for me, and how amazing that was. And I'm somebody that does not want to know what the set list is going to be. So the element of surprise was just magic. For that to happen was just magic um, for me personally. And um, that's that's what it's all about. And so that's why fans travel to multiple shows because um, at least I know for the cure they give you they give you that. And Robert Smith is extremely aware of knowing that the fans travel to multiple shows in multiple countries to see this band. And so he wants to give you the best experience possible. And I'm not saying that Duran doesn't want to do that. And I know you know they want to they want to bring us joy and they want to make us party and everything like that. But um, we're just kind of putting it out there to keep these things in mind. It's <laughs> a little bit of variety. I know Pearl Jam does that as well, too. I know that Pearl Jam, I know that Eddie Vedder comes up with a set list um, the day of the show. He will get to the venue and check out the vibe, feel it, feel out. The vi- feel it out, and that's how he comes up with a set list. And, and I have so that, much appreciation that. for that. And, so. you know, and you remember when we went to go see Indigo Girls and we kept watching their set list? Yeah, we did. Their set list is handwritten, yeah, right. and they put it like the next day on each of them, and you can see the handful that they always get. Yeah. They're, you know, closer to fan- flying is going to be the closer. Yeah. But it was interesting to see that they don't even like type it up, yeah. and literally you kind of just don't know going into it what you're going to get, mm-hmm. and it just kind of adds a little bit of spontaneity and like fun to the whole situation yeah as magic well. it brings magic to the show and coming back to the cure i mean i'm I, I wouldn't consider myself a super fan i am a big i am a big fan of the cure their music is is like on an emotional level is uh, you know it's kind of goes without saying but and disintegration was a big album for me that i at the time i was going through some stuff and that whole album just got me through a lot of things kiss me kiss me kiss me is another that's my favorite uh, that's one of my favorite (laughs) albums as well my husband on the other hand he would be considered i think a a super band i mean he doesn't like follow them around and you know go to multiple cities or anything like that but he 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 loves the songwriting and it like really you know and and i think it's like that anyway with with cure fans you know the the, the lyrics and the, and the music just you know it gets to you in an emotional level but with him it's just on a different plane i've gone to multiple shows with him and to experience that with him through him right where he's just standing there with his eyes closed singing yes. the lyrics to you know on the edge of the deep green sea or you know whatever yes. and it's just like 
man, you know, I, I, I love to see that. I love to see that experience. That's the experience I had at Care Shows as well, too. Watching my, my friends who are super fans, who have traveled, you know, Mm -hmm. across the world to see the band. I looked at them and the joy and the happiness, um, from certain songs, if not all of the songs in the different set list. I thought to myself, is this what it looks like? If someone was looking at me at a Duran Mm -hmm, show mm -hmm. and I just felt the love and the energy and that sense of family that you get um, when you have a music family come together Mm -hmm. and it's just pure bliss. And so I I agree with what you're saying, Dee, as far as watching her husband. And imagine that's the look on her face at like being in front of Robert Smith. I have been standing next to Jen (laughs) before and the pure bliss and the tears in her eyes, mm-hmm. yeah. and with our, my friends who are in Australia, hey Brad and Fuji, they uh, just the sure amount of joy that the band yeah. brings to them. Um, and one of them described recently about how he knows it's going to be the best three hours Absolutely. of of his life coming up and the excitement leading up to the show. And I feel um, that way as well. Like, exactly. You know, I you think know. it has a lot to do with bands that are putting out new music. So a lot of what we listen to are bands that we've known a lot of our life. And some of those bands are still putting out new music. And I really admire that they still are working their craft. They're still pushing themselves. And and, and Duran is definitely one of those. I think that there are some bands or that have such a deep catalog like The Cure. And Duran Duran has a deep catalog. Because there are some songs that I would still love to hear. Like, All You Need Is Now, I don't know if I'll ever hear that again. I heard that a couple years ago, and that's a fun Mm -hmm. song. And it's just... And that it's kind of stuff. Even the food, fighter, the food Fighters have 14 albums. Duran has 14 albums. The Cure, yes. I don't know how many. Oh, they have a lot. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. I mean, yes, there's a history there. But I saw the Lemonheads on Friday night. And number one set list was taped to the microphone. And I looked at Ray and I said, that set list is not very long. So I could already tell that it wasn't going to yeah. be this yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't know how long it's been since Evan Dando's been on stage. I know he's had a sorted history. Yeah. Uh, the Lemonheads was not the Lemonheads as it was in 1990. It was him and three session musicians, whatever. I've yeah. never seen him. It was cool. They have been creating new music. Mm-hmm. Did he do any of this? No. He didn't. He almost did the whole It's a Shame About Ray and the album before that. And a couple of songs I didn't recognize. But then he stormed off stage. <laughs> so, I mean... Yes, new music, it probably would have been appropriate and good. Duran does it well. That's yeah. one thing I will say in his defense. Is they mix it up. I'm, I'm a sucker to the bass line, and yeah. Pressure Off was the best record to do in a live show oh. like that. Oh, absolutely. The songs so they chose to play and everything so were fun. so fantastic. And that set list cannot not have Last Night in the City or Pressure yeah. Off yeah. or whatever. But... For Evan Dando and the Lemonheads to yeah. not do new music was kind of disappointing to me. So but I'll, I will. I'll play devil's advocate for a second. Again. I went to see Toto, I went to see Toto last year. That's right. And it was very painful because Toto has three songs. They opened up with Hold the Line. They played a bunch of stuff. They, they threw us Rosanna halfway through. And then like two hours later, we ended up in Africa. And it, it to me... They were in their own. They weren't reading the crowd very well. And so I think there are some... pre-programmed. Yes. So I think there are some bands that are maybe not creating the live music, not as deep, that are great to go on these tours where there's a sampler platter, if you will. And we get like a little taste for these bands. Because I'll tell you, last year I went to the Lost in the 80s, which 
you know, our boys don't need to do that. We don't want them to do all that. But I saw Wang Chung, and it was their sampler platter. But they were fantastic. Literally, they're floating around on they a really is a platter rotating stage. <laughs> they played like three songs. But if they come back on their own and play a smaller venue, I'm going to go see them because the energy is there. Because the show was happening, I listened to some of their newer stuff that I liked. So that doesn't mean if they even go on these sampler platter tours is what I'm going to call them. I mean, maybe some of them belong there. Now, I saw a flock of seagulls on that same tour, and they played three songs, and they were not very into it. I saw them about six months later and their own very small gig, and they played their entire catalog, which is only like 15 songs, but they were <laughs> super into it. And, you know, so it's just kind of depending on where you're at, and I wanted to hear those deeper cuts from them. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I think there's a time and place for both, and as super fans, we're really hungry for this deeper stuff, and there needs to be a compromise. There needs to be a way to kind of make the super fans happy, make some of the higher level fans happy, and maybe it's separating out and having some events specifically tailored for people that really want this deep stuff, and then going to the festivals and doing the stuff that's the fun, expected stuff, and throw and a couple new things recognize in. that social media is going to draw out those people who want to go and spill beer on me right. and yes. not pay right. attention, yeah. right. and focus on the people who are even if, truly even if it's Even if it's just like... You know, you cycle through five songs, for example. You know, you, you you're, always you're, play those five. You're, you're, yeah, okay. you know, you have yeah. you have a set, you have a set <laughs> list of songs that you you're gonna play. Yeah, and then you allow for flexibility for the next five. You know, you can change in and out or whatever, which doesn't have to be the same every time. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a way to find a balance instead of just playing the exact well, same set. I just had a thought. Depending on the size of the venue. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, because smaller, smaller venue, venue yeah. is going to be a different set of people in there. Exactly. Mostly. Absolutely. Mostly. Um, larger, Austin 360, stupid oh. Circuit of the Coda. Americas, whatever, yeah. or like a <laughs> festival situation. Well, Austin sure. Opera House versus Austin yeah. Opera House, yeah, exactly. which is not around anymore. But, anyway. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I could see changing it up in that situation. Mm-hmm. But in this particular vein of what we're talking about, we have not seen that we haven't that diversity. Among it would be our, nice to see our little, band yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Of, yeah, it would be nice. So, those are some of our setless ideas for anybody <laughs> Wait, that happens. Okay. That's I want to hear "Faster Than Light" and "Fame" and "Winter Marches On" and "Late Bar." All of those astronaut late bar. That's God. Right. All those astronauts. The astronaut songs that people. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard that somebody who shared those way back in two thousand two. <laughs> like nice. Got super super angry. The heat. The band angry. got super angry and like shut him up big time, but I've got, I can't remember the names of them right well, now, but secret. there are you some astronaut B-sides that are so good that I would Gosh, love to Salt hear. Salt in the Rainbow, Pretty One. Salt in the Rainbow, and it was Lonely Business. Oh my God. <laughs> love, love, love. <laughs> of course, I love, of course <laughs> I love a song with Lonely in it, but anyway. Yeah, there's so many B-sides that you can choose from, yeah. you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, just yeah. like, here. All right, we're gonna play Rainbow though. Oh my yeah. God. Oh, well, we heard yeah. beautiful yes. colors. We yeah. heard we beautiful, colors beautiful colors in the beginning, back in the 2004 San Antonio show, mm-hmm. um, before we knew what it was. But it sounded amazing. <laughs> oh, I knew. Live. I knew. I heard so, it. yeah. What, are, what about the offshoot, like Arcadia, Arcadia, Arcadia or a power station? You know, power we haven't even thought about that. 
Oh, right. I was to throw that we though, really get to like mix it up. You well, know? I know a couple of years ago they were doing a little bit of election day, and I don't yeah. know if that was kind of mixed in with another song. Oh, during um, the like a medley, yeah. the, a little medley, yeah. Yeah. or was it during the electric? When they were set? at New York, when they were doing the electric stuff, yes. Yeah, and or then the, even like when we saw them at Voodoo Festival, we got we got a mashup. We started off with Sirius, and I mean, we lost our shit. Oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. it started off with Sirius, and then it went into Nice. But yeah. I get to hear serious and it's an entire wait um, wait. both of you have mentioned nice okay here's my thing with that the freaking lyric of the song is there is nothing Nothing better than being here with you why wouldn't that be the beginning of every sentence that would be really nice that would be so nice Lots we love to hear, and lots more that we would love to hear, and so, guys, so, take with it and run with it. Yeah, we love you. We okay, love bye. you. Thank you for tuning in to the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast. We are so glad you could hang out with us for a little while. Please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcast player. And make sure to follow us on Instagram, too. See you again real soon.